listening to the Paul McGuire Report. I'm Paul McGuire. On today's program, we're going to open up reality for you. And by that, I mean specifically take a look at what is happening in America, what's happening in the world, and what you can realistically expect to happen in the relatively near future. You know, predicting the future doesn't have to be in the, in the realm of the mystical or something of that nature. If you're paying attention to the present, and you're analyzing the presence, and you're looking at statistics and data and so on and so forth, you can project with a high degree of accuracy what's coming in the future. And, and since that's possible for each one of us, each one of us has a God-given gift where we're able to analyze what's going to happen in the future. Since that gift has been distributed to, to many people, it's not a strange thing that when upheaval or transformation or whatever happens, that people who are paying attention, people who study, people who read, people who pray and think, they can see with a higher degree of clarity than just somebody walking around in days. So we're going to expose to you the, the hidden plan that is unfolding right now in America and around the world. And when I say hidden plan, it's really not all that hidden. It's open in their writings, the people who run this world and nation. It's in their writings and their videos and their television shows and their newspapers and their magazines. It is spoken about openly from the, I was going to say pulpits, but, but speaker podiums from Davos, Switzerland, the Bilderberg Group, and other globalist institutions. They've been talking about what I'm going to talk to you about. They've been talking about openly and publicly, unashamedly. They've been talking about their plan for a global society for at least 70 years publicly, and then perhaps relegated to secret societies and things of that nature. They've been talking about uh, a globalist society going all the way back to uh, the Greek philosopher Plato. Many super civilizations and large empires and large, large em empires and large nations and conglomerate of nations have used the, the Roman model of governance because the Roman model for, for the time period that it existed in was a highly efficient and highly effective model of not only government but also a powerful military. Now, on today's program, I want to get back to this science. Let's call it a science. Some people wouldn't. I would. If you have enough content, analysis, data, um, and, other, and other things, and you are disciplined, and you analyze, and you can cross-reference, and you know history, and I can't emphasize that enough. You've got to know something about history, otherwise you're going to get caught blind. So if you know history, and you know how to compare and contrast, as we talked about on the program before, if you know how to compare and contrast the different ideological expressions of mankind, and by that I mean, so for example, communism is one ideological manifestation of mankind. Capitalism is another one. Socialism is a hybrid one. Marxism is as is, is evil and deadly as uh, communism. Now, we are in a, a historical cycle 
But a great deal of the historical cycle that we're being told that we're in. Now, I want to I talk to you very directly about this. Let's use the term propaganda. We've used that term on this program, you know, countless times. We are in a time period where propaganda has become an art form. Propaganda has become a science. It's called scientific mind control or scientific propaganda or scientific brainwashing. It is not the propaganda of the past. The propaganda of the past uh, often was very effective, but, but the propaganda that we undergo in our time period is a propaganda that is in all prevailing control of the human mind and human society. And that way, dictators can hide, they can masquerade themselves, and yet while they're hiding, they can rule nations. And, and the way they rule nations, this is critical, is they rule the minds of the people in the nations. They rule the minds of the people in the nations. So that means, unequivocally, that your mind is under attack, my mind is under attack, your children's minds are under attack constantly. Now, a great mistake would be to veer off into a perspective of paranoia or hyperparanoia. If your reaction to the onslaught of, let's say, let's call it, you know what, let's just call it for what it really is. If your reaction to the onslaught of propaganda, or more popularly known sometimes as psychological warfare, if your response is to psychological warfare is to become overwhelmed by fear, overwhelmed by anxiety, paralyzed mentally, you're no longer in control of your own thoughts. Your thoughts have been embedded or implanted there by a group of experts. And so your identity at the core of who you are, you are no longer, you are no longer who you think you are. You are now a new being. And by new being, I want to get even more hyper-focused than that. You are a new being because you have been embedded with an artificial identity, an identity that is composed of elements of illusion, elements of fairy tale writing, elements of complete, you know, Harry Potter or whatever. In fact, it has now gone out there to such a point is that the overwhelming majority of children are so immersed, so saturated in electronic illusion, that they don't know who they are, they don't know the nation they live in, they don't know the world they live in, all they know is the world of the electronic phantasmagoria, or the electronic illusion. Now, why is that important to the globalist elite and the Luciferian elite? Because by keeping people in a perpetual state of a counterfeit illusion, which is a manifestation of psychological warfare, you can dominate their minds, control their minds, and they will think, they will do, they will behave any way that you choose to program them to behave and to think. And it's a relatively simply simple process. Okay. So this rocket launch, if you will, of mankind's ability to program mankind for for a scientific dictatorship to program 
uh, all of mankind. This scientific ability has exponentially accelerated in the last 75 years. You can read volume after volume of all kinds of scientists who, who perfected the sciences of scientific mind control, propaganda, advertising, persuasion, altered states, states of consciousness, and so on and so forth. I know because one of my obsessions as a young boy, it's a weird obsession, but it was, one of my obsessions as a young boy, because I wanted to be a scientist, was to find out the answers to the meaning of life, and therefore I had positioned myself and dedicated myself and purposed in my heart that I would cut through the fog and find out the answer to life's most important questions, such as, why am I alive, who am I, and what is my purpose in life? And by the way, all of these questions, including my own journey, I share areas that you've never heard before. I mean, some really mind-blowing things in my testimony of being in the occult and the New Age and the atheist and radical politics. Stuff that I've never shared before, stuff that I've expanded upon, is in my brand new book, Power From On High. And, I mean, you can get it as a gift for yourself or somebody else, but you've got to jump on it. I mean, by jumping on it, I mean you've got to do it today or tomorrow. Or, you know, we, we will send it in the United States, um, uh, what is it, one-day, two-day mail, whatever it is. It's the fast way where you get it, you put it in that special white and red packet. And we'll pop, we'll pop copies to you while they're still in stock. So if you're considering what to get, uh, make sure if you, you use your mailing address that we have a contact address for you. And it, you, you, for everybody who buys the book, Power From On High, right now, you receive a financial discount, but it, you also get it sent, I think it's two-day overnight. And it will go fast, assuming you give us the right address, etc. And that book, that book, to be blunt, will rock your world, and it'll rock your kid's world, and it may take you using some persuasion to at least have them take a bite of the book, but once they take the bite of the book, man, they will be plummeted into a very fast, high-speed, futuristic world, a world of science fiction and advanced technology, because the book, Power From On High, deals with cutting-edge technology the multiverse, the virtual reality, the matrix, and my own journey in, in trying to escape the matrix, because there is a matrix. I mean, maybe it's not the matrix of the matrix movies, but there is a matrix. And this book will, will open people's eyes of all ages. And I especially wrote it for people that don't like religion and don't like Christianity. And I especially wrote it for those of you that got burned, that got burned by traditional evangelical Christianity. I was doing, so get your copy of Power From On High now at paulmcguire.us, but do it now. I was on uh, George Norrie's show for a couple hours, <clears throat> I don't know, a couple of months ago. And I've been on the show a bunch of times. And I was on, uh, it was formerly the Art Bell show, uh, Coast to Coast, and I was on I was Art Bell's guest also, 
And I told them, I told their producers, they really wanted me on. And I, they, I told their producers that, you know, I, I'm going into some different areas. And I explained some of the areas that I was going in. And you would have thought I hit the jackpot. They were like so turned on because they were looking for somebody who was going to talk about altered states of consciousness, you know, and all the rest of that stuff, yet somehow integrated with biblical truth. And here's the, the big challenge. Without hammering people over the head with the Bible and screaming in their ear, repent, repent. Because that may be great on a street corner with a bullhorn, but that just doesn't cut it to people listening in their cars all over the United States. So by the grace of God, the power of God came through. This was the interesting thing, and I find this incredibly fascinating. I was somewhat apprehensive about doing the interview. And the reason I was apprehensive is because I was departing from the normal subject matter I, I do. I was departing from the, the normal guidelines I, I set up for myself. I was departing from the, the manner of communication that, that really I've been using for decades. And I was jumping into the deep end of what I felt would ultimately be a far more powerful an electrifying form of communication for both non-believers and believers. So, um, I get on the program, we talk, etc. People call in. And what was interesting is I began to tell stories about my life that are true, that I never told in public before. So, for example, and, and it's all, all of this is in my book, so I'm not going to sit here and you know, go through the whole thing. But so, for example, in 1986, I was living up on Lookout Mountain Avenue in the Hollywood Hills with my wife, Christina. I was a feature film producer. She was an actress. This was a long time ago. And uh, I didn't know it at the time. But physically, where I lived in our house up on Lookout Mountain Avenue, I didn't know anything about this at the time. But right exactly where I lived in 1986, where I was producing a film, a sci-fi feature film called Wired to Kill, which predicts a deadly pandemic. It, it, it predicts a deadly virus called Tapex that begins to destroy America and the world in the future. Now, isn't that odd? I mean, I guess, you know, maybe you could say it's not that odd. I don't know. I think it's rather predictive programming in the sense of we do this movie and I'm not saying it's the greatest movie in the world it's a, it was a sci-fi movie and opened in lots and lots of theaters but the theme is America and the world is like convulsing and going into a mass death because a global pandemic uh, a global virus has been released in America and across the world and the name of this deadly virus is called Tapex. Now, that's a very interesting theme to write on with those elements in the script. I think it's more than odd. I think it's more than coincidental that we wrote that in 1986. Okay, so as we move towards that time period and, and in this movie, I learned a whole bunch of, of principles 
Now, I, in 1986, I was living up at Lookout Mountain in the Hollywood Hills. Now, this, you know, I, I told you what I did for a living, but now this part, some of you know, most of you don't know. While I was living up on Lookout Mountain Avenue in the Hollywood Hills, our house was situated in what I would find out later to be an example of synchronicity and an example of God's divine, sovereign plan unfolding miraculously in my life. Now, let me just put the brakes on when I say synchronicity. Synchronicity is when things kind of supernaturally synchronize, things that wouldn't normally happen in terms of statistics or whatever. They happen. And, and, and I was sharing this, I don't know, through... I don't know how what his audience is. There's a million people. I don't know. It's a lot of people and a lot of secular people. And guess what? I would say a huge percentage of his audience is interested in the paranormal, 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 and the occult, etc. But a huge percentage of his audience consists of backslidden Christians, consists of people who have been exposed to evangelical Christianity and have been burned and people who have been alienated and turned off by evangelical Christianity. And and I will say that, not as a means of uh, promoting myself, but the producers told me before I got on the show, George's producers, and after I got the show was over, they were really high on having me on, and they were ecstatic with the way the show went because... Um, they have almost no guests who are able to, let's say, be a apologist for the Bible, but who can bond and speak in a coherent manner with non-Christians, New Agers, occultists, people in witchcraft, people in all kinds of esoteric arts. You see, because I was in all that stuff myself, it gives me an enormous it gives me enormous clout and credibility among those audiences because I live, experimented with, and did the very things that these people are just trying now. But I started in third grade when I after reading Aldous Huxley's book, The Doors of Perception, I began to scientifically experiment with the psychedelic drug mescaline with the intended purpose of traveling through the doors of perception that Huxley wrote about it. In fact, Jim Morrison of The Doors named his rock and roll group The Doors after Huxley's book, The Doors of Perception. Anyway, fast forward, it's 1986, and I, our house is located on, up on the mountain of Lookout Mountain Avenue. Now, here's the part I didn't understand. I began, I was producing science fiction feature films. I began uh, to uh, uh, deepen my studies and research, both in the Bible and Bible prophecy and all kinds of stuff. Now, as, so I talk about this in detail because there's no way I, I can cover it all on this program here, the Fulton Choir Report. That's why you need to get yourself a copy while they're in stock while they're at a discount of power from on high by visiting paulmcguire.us. You can do it now. So I didn't know, by synchronicity, 
I talk about this in the book too. I don't believe in synchronicity in terms of uh, the new age interpretation. So don't go off the deep end and get yourself all bent out of shape. Say, oh, Paul McGuire is promoting new age doctrine and, and, and synchronicity on its program. So like, like take a deep breath. Okay, right now, if, you're, if you need to take a deep breath, shut up for a few minutes, and hear my words very clearly and lucidly. I am not promoting synchronicity and New Age doctrine and synchronicity on my program. Not only am I not uh, promoting it, I am explaining it and my relationship to it for the purpose of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with people that are now experimenting with all kinds of stuff that I experimented with, you know, decades and decades ago. But, the, but my purpose in, in speaking like that, just like my purpose in writing pa- uh, Power from One High, is to, to explain it by opening up my life and, and revealing what happened as I plunged into it. For the purpose of winning people to Christ, for the purpose of creating and explaining the difference between the occult, synchronicity, Carl Jung, uh, and things like that, by explaining the difference between all of that and true biblical Christianity, God's plan for your life and the sovereignty of God. Okay? Now we're on the same track. So, um, we moved. We lived there for ten years. We moved eventually. And it was it was a wild place. Then Timothy Leary, the Harvard professor, LSD prophet, was in our neighborhood, and you would run into him at the exercise uh, gym. A lot of people like that. Uh, John Carpenter, of the, the director of the Halloween uh, movies, the director of I believe it was the Thing, the director of They. You know, you know John Carpenter. You'd run into him. Uh, you run into all kinds of people. Now, so we eventually moved. Now, when we moved, um, I explained how uh, our house almost collapsed during the Northridge earthquake. And that was, I forgot how long ago it was, but that was a while back. And that changed the emphasis of my ministry and made it focus more on Bible prophecy as well as current event analysis and exposing the, the cults, occults, etc. Okay, now what I didn't know at the time, and I put all this in the book because it was a discovery and I discussed this on George Norrie's show. What I put in the book was my personal account with, I discovered that my heroes, these New Age visionaries, these scientists experimenting with the occult and altered states of consciousness and stuff, I found myself, I discovered that where I lived physically in 1986 was literally about three or four houses down. I mean, it's like it was like two-minute walking distance to where the great science fiction writer Robert Heinlein lived when he moved there in 1947. Okay? And not only did Robert Heinlein, the author of Stranger in a Strange Land and and many other super sci-fi movies, Robert Heinlein lived there in 1947. In 1947, L. Ron Hubbard, 
the founder of Scientology and a science fiction best-selling author, lived there with Heinlein and his wife back then in 1947. This is, this is like three houses down from me. And then if you go to uh, 1936, Aldous Huxley, who wrote Brave New World and, and uh, The Doors of Perception, in 1936, which was obviously earlier, Aldous Huxley lives in the same area up on Lookout Mountain in Laurel Canyon. I mean, these are like heavy-duty. And Timothy Leary lives there uh, later on, when I, at the same time I'm living there. And then I discover that I'm hiking in, in the Hollywood Hills. And the houses are very close together. So, so the lots of property, your property is narrow, but it's very, it's a very long, narrow length. And the houses go, you know, like straight up. And so I'm hiking and exploring, because Madonna is, is at, this, at that time, she lives at the very top of uh, Lookout Mountain Avenue. And if you take Lookout Mountain Avenue and those other streets, on a, if you continually drive down that road, the winding streets and stuff, it's going to take you to where one of the lead singers of the Mamas of the Papa, Papas live. And that takes you, if you continue on that same winding road, it takes you to where uh, the, the Manson family allegedly committed those horrible murders where uh, the famous horror actress. Live, and so this was like a twilight zone vortex place. Now, okay, so so I'm exploring, and it's very difficult to see. I mean, I could see it from my house, but walking on on the on the dirt roads up in the mountains, it's very hard to see a clear a clear view of of what's behind the rows of trees. Okay, and the houses, you know, there's gates and stuff, so you can't just walk between two houses and look down at this large canyon. So near my house, there was a very large canyon, but I could never see what was in the canyon. So one day, I discovered I could slip through where two, these two houses were on the top of the canyon, one side of the canyon. And I looked down, and I see this giant hidden canyon, not that far from where I live, not that far from where all these science fiction writers live. And it's, there, there's, it's a weird-looking structure. It has, like, these airplane uh, tower, four airplane tower structures, you know, so to, to, that can monitor flights coming in. It, 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 there's, a, there's a, I find out later there's a, well, no, at that time I thought it was a cult compound of some weird guru. That's what I really thought it was. Because it had all this esoteric giant buildings. I mean, it was bizarre. So I assumed it was some weird guru with his following there. But it wasn't a guru. What I found out was that giant facility contained at that time, it was a secret laboratory built by the uh, U.S. military, and it was a lookout station, thus Lookout Mountain Avenue, that was built there so, so our military could keep a lookout from uh, invaders from the skies in terms of uh, foreign militaries attacking Los Angeles uh, from, from, by plane with bombs and stuff. And then I find out years, years later, that that laboratory, it's called the Lookout Mountain Avenue Laboratory, 
And it, too, was built in the year 1947. So think of it. you got L. Ron Hubbard, 1947. Robert Heinlein, 1947. Um, uh, the Lookout Mountain Avenue Laboratory, 1947. And, and many more. And then, I would say, probably the, the very early 60s, in, this, in the same area that I'm living, all around me. Now, I wasn't there at that time. I was there in 1986. But the doors, the mamas and the papas, and, and if I, if I listed every group in my book, Power from On like 30 gigantic West Coast rock and roll bands are living there. Okay, and it becomes the a, a vortex for the counterculture, and people are dropping acid. Gurus are, are living there, and rock stars are living there, and these new age visionaries are, are living there. Aldous Huxley is up there, and what I find out decades later is that my house, where I was living, was right at, in the epicenter of all of this new age occultic visionary, the, the laboratory, and everything else. It was right there, smack in, in the middle. Now, you say, well, what does that have to do with God? Everything. So God's hand was upon my life, and God had been directing me for decades, leading me, literally, supernaturally, to find certain books, to have encounters with certain people, to have certain doors open. So God's hand was on my life, supernaturally maneuvering Doors open, doors shut, and the entire thing. And then I find out, going back in time, and then I find out from the perspective of the future, that in different time vortexes, there is all kinds of literally altered states of consciousness type of activities via psychedelics, Eastern mysticism, etc. Now, the other thing that's interesting is that Many of the men who are my icons, you know, I, I, I wanted to, to be in the same area of science that they were, were people like Dr. John C. Lilly, the porpoise doctor, the, inventor, the guy who invented the, the, the deep tank chamber, the sensory deep deprivation deep tank chamber, Timothy Leary, the LSD prophet. Uh, all these people are up there experimenting. I ran into Ken Kesey of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. In Central Park, I ran into Timothy Leary uh, in the East Village, joined him with a circle of people chanting on all kinds of strange experiences were happening. And the Lord was supernaturally leading me to discover information that I wouldn't normally ever have discovered, which helped me unlock secrets about America today and helped me to unlock secrets about America in the past and America in the future. So in other words, I'm a researcher, I'm an analyst, I'm a Bible teacher, I'm a speaker. But when God is supernaturally guiding you and supernaturally uh, arranging for you to receive information on a supernatural level, why would God do that? Because God has a purpose and a mission for my life, like he has a purpose and mission for your life. And God wants to equip you with everything you need to accomplish your supernatural mission on earth. And that means opening doors where there are no doors. Okay, so, um, before I continue, I again want to exhort you to get a copy of my book, Power from On High, and some of the other books that go along with it that are available at a discount right now. 
at paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. And in the book, Power From On High, I, 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 I dig deep and I go into all the, the, these doorways that I don't have time to get into now because I just gave you the tip of the iceberg, the tip of the iceberg. So I want to take you to the prefix of the journey. So in third grade, I'm taking psychedelic drugs because I'm reading Brave New World and uh, The Doors of Perception by Aldous Huxley. Now, it's very important to note that the brother of Aldous Huxley is Julian Huxley, who is one of the heads of the United Nations. And Julian Huxley is also the head of UNESCO, which is the United Nations Global Arm, Global Education, Global Scientific uh, uh, Educational Machine. Okay? But uh, Julian Huxley is also a militant humanist. And Julian Huxley is the world's first transhumanist and the father of the science of transhumanism. And he's the brother of Aldous Huxley. Both of these men had an enormous impact in my life in third grade. And both of them believe that through LSD or technology or whatever, and science especially, you could equip man genetically to become like God or to be like gods. So the goal, never forget that the goal of all transhumanists is to be like God or to be like gods. And Timothy Leary was doing the same thing, and Dr. John C. Lilly was doing the same thing. And they were all in different time zones, living literally two minutes from my house. And I'm running into these guys and talking to them in, in every place from Central Park in New York City, Ken Kesey, to, to L.A. and uh, Hollywood Hills, where I'm meeting all kinds of people. But the way I would meet people, what, what would arouse my interest was the Lord's trying to reel me in by giving me bait. Here's how it works, okay? And this happens to me all the time, even up to this day, and I suspect it happens to you a lot more than you realize, but maybe you need to learn how to train yourself to recognize it when it happens to you. You think you're out there floundering on your own. But in reality, your life is being supernaturally and divinely guided by Almighty God. You just have to train yourself to follow the voice of the Lord. Okay, so this is an example among countless examples. I happen to be in a neighborhood that I'm never in. This is, I don't know, when we first came to California. This is a long time ago. So I walk into a, this library because, I, because back then the Internet hadn't exploded. So I, I, I always, I'm a massive reader of books and always searching for books that might give me the answers I'm looking for. So I walk into this library, and then on these tables where, the, where these big books are standing you know, straight up, and you, and you walk in, you can see the face or the cover of the books. I walk in this library in the middle of nowhere. Don't even, that was the only time I ever went to that library, by the way. And I see this book, and it's an expose of the science fiction writer and the father of uh, Scientology, L. Ron Hubbard, who, who I'm not that interested in. I mean, I'm somewhat interested in him, but it's not a consuming interest. But for some reason, I find myself pulled towards that book. So I check the book out, and I, I rent it, 
and I speed read it because it's fascinating. Now, here's what God does, and he does this all the time, and I guarantee you he does it in your life too. As I'm reading this book on L. Ron Hubbard, all this information in L. Ron Hubbard's life and Scientology and stuff, it interconnects with everything else that I'm studying and the people that I'm meeting, but I had no idea. At that time, nobody had any idea. It was, a real, it was you know, today the TV writers write about it and stuff. But back then, nobody knew about it. These were hidden secrets. So by walking through the door of reading this book on L. Ron Hubbard, where the author alleges that L. Ron Hubbard you know, is, a, is a huge science fiction writer, he's hanging around with uh, uh, Robert Heinlein, uh, he's hanging out with Isaac Asimov, who wrote the Foundation series, and, and many, many other science fiction books. And, and Hubbard is, is hanging out with a group of highly elite, highly trained science fiction writers who just happen to meet on a regular basis up on Lookout Mountain in the Hollywood Hills, three blocks from my house. These writers that I idolized as a kid. So, and in addition to that, what I later discovered is that here's, I can't remember all the big science fiction writers who, who hung out with Robert Heinlein in his house, three blocks from my house, L. Ron Hubbard, uh, the, the German doctor, Dr. Willie Lay, um, Robert Campbell, um, science fiction author, and they made the sci-fi horror movie, The Thing, uh, based on his screenplay. Um, Isaac Asimov on, out up there, and all these big-shot science fiction writers. And the reason they met with Heinlein is because Heinlein was running a special operation in, for, naval, for naval intelligence, where they, with, some people would live, like, like L. Ron Hubbard, would, would live with Robert Heinlein in his house, because it was a big house. Other science fiction writers would, were, would live with Robert Heinlein. And the Navy, naval intelligence, gave them the assignment of training themselves in thinking, in thinking out of the box and thinking so far out of the box that they could share it with our scientists, our technology people, and develop science fiction-like and futuristic-like technology, weaponry, and solutions to science fiction-like problems. And this secret organization, and Isaac Asimov was part of this group. Um, their main job was to think outside of the box and develop never-before-conceived-of sciences and technologies. And so, you know, I used to walk up and down my block all the time in 1986. I had no idea these people in 1947 <laughs> were meeting in a, in a series of secret houses near Lookout Mountain Laboratory, which, by the way, Lookout Mountain Laboratory allegedly well, no. As I understand it, and I have this in my book, it produced thousands and thousands of feature films, propaganda films for the U.S. military. So hidden in the Lookout Mountain Avenue laboratory was a gigantic film studio, editing studio. Marilyn Monroe would, would be filmed there with a special pass. All kinds of weird stuff was happening there. And it's alleged that the Lookout Mountain Avenue laboratory was into MK Ultra, secret MK Ultra LSD experimentation. 
you would say, oh, that's just a quirk, except for the fact that some of the biggest gurus for LSD were people like Dr. Timothy Leary, who lived up in the same area that I live, that I'm talking about, and he promoted LSD all over the world. And then another person who lived up there, but this time it was in 1947, excuse me, 1936, was uh, uh, Aldous Huxley, who promoted not only LSD, but he promoted the psychedelic drug mescaline. And all of these psychedelic drugs were used in MKUltra. So you've got this secret laboratory that nobody knows, people that have been living there for years, doesn't even, they don't even know it exists. I, the most of the time I was up there, I didn't know it exists because it was hidden. And then I discover it. By the grace of God, I study it, I discover it, but I don't know what it is because there's no writing on it anywhere. And then, as I mysteriously read L. Ron Hubbard's uh, a critical a biography on L. Ron Hubbard, I, I discover that he very possibly was trained himself in naval intelligence, but highly likely was the fact that he was hanging out with Robert Heinlein, Isaac Asimov, and other great science fiction writers. Um, to, as part of a naval intelligence operation to think outside of the box. Now, where am I taking you with all this? All of these men that we're talking about had an enormous and a profound influence on my intellectual, um, historical uh, view and philosophy and knowledge of history and knowledge of the world. Because I discovered, and I am not promoting L. Ron Hubbard, and I am definitely not telling you to run out and read a book by L. Ron Hubbard, because I don't think it's a wise thing to do as a Christian. But but these, these guys were leading the vanguard of the Global Reset before it was called the Global Reset. And... As my research, I pick up a book on L. Ron Hubbard, and the next thing I know, I, I'm discovering within the contents of the book all, all these secret doors. They were secret because nobody knew about it back then. And so I walk through an entire series of secret doors embedded in this book that, that explain all kinds of supernatural mysteries and all kinds of mysteries about America and American culture. And God does this over and over and over and over again. And so I put it in this book, Power From On High, that's why it's a big, thick book, to give you the answers and to people you know. You and people you know are desperately looking for answers to the mysteries of life, and it doesn't seem to add up. You know why it doesn't add up? Because you have been deprived of the opportunity of cracking the code. And there is a code. And I don't have time to go through all of it now, but I, we'll, we'll touch on this again. And you can dive deeper by getting yourself a copy of Power From On High by, by getting a discount at paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. Get yourself a copy of Power From On High. Now, here's where the rubber meets the road. All of these men had an enormous influence on my life. When I went to the University of Missouri, I mysteriously major in filmmaking and in a brand new field of uh, psychology called altered states of consciousness. 
very out there field, but they were deadly serious. And then I learned about MK Ultra. I learned about mind control. I learned an enormous about. Uh, I learned an enormous amount about higher consciousness, altered states of consciousness, the reality of different dimensions, the reality of entities in different dimensions from a scientific point of view. And it's in the book, Power from One Eye. So let me finish with this final statement. You will not have the mental and intellectual and rational and historical understanding capacity to know why America is where it is, to know exactly where America is going in the near future, and to know exactly what happened to America in the relatively recent past. Because if you knew these categories of information, you would have a revelation of understanding of just how dangerous a time it is that we're in. And it would motivate many of you and people that you know, it would motivate you to to get involved while the Lord has still given us the opportunity. Because in a nutshell, let me just say this, the entire counterculture movement, sex, drugs, rock and roll, the, the 60s rock scene, Woodstock, Make Love, Not War, that entire counterculture didn't originate in America spontaneously or randomly. That entire hippie counterculture, LSD, Make Love, Not War, you know, meditation, out-of-body experiences, the New Age movement, and all the rest of that stuff, again, did not emerge in our American society spontaneously. These cultural revolutions that ripped up our society, known as the counterculture, the hippie culture, or whatever you want to call it, all of these counterculture revolutions, listen, were methodically, meticulously, scientifically planned out, scientifically and technologically mapped out. And added to that, they incorporated the highest level manipulation of the human mind that was available at the time, which was mass dosing, dosing tens and millions, tens of millions of people in the United States of America, dosing them with LSD, mescaline, blasting their minds out with rock and roll, sex, love, drugs, and rock and roll. And they scientifically ignited the counterculture. It was a scientific psyop. Do you understand what I'm saying? It was not a random cultural change. It wasn't just an arbitrary change in the direction of the wind blowing. The whole counterculture, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, leftism, liberalism, the whole, everything that went went with it, and which has seriously harmed our society, all of that was a scientific, technological, um, and methodical and strategic mind control operation in which the designers of this mass mind control uh, uh, transformation were people like Aldous Huxley and Ken Kesey and Timothy Leary and all these rock and roll musicians and scientists like Dr. John C. Lilly and uh, the scientific elite, et cetera, et cetera. They learned that you could scientifically and sociologically create a major eruption of chaos and revolution in, in the formerly Judeo-Christian America. 
And that's what happened. And it, and it has changed the direction of America forever. And the, one of the primary targets of all that was the Jesus movement. Now, let's just stop for a moment. Since that time that I've talked to you about, there has been a resurgence in the birthing of a new counterculture called the Global Reset, except this one is more virulent. This one incorporates, you know, uh, pandemics and uh, wireless IDs and nanoship implants and stuff. And, and this new wave of a counterculture is about to erupt and explode in American society. And this time, it will, when the explosion of the counterculture forces occur, it will create a fusion reaction in which there is an explosion of such power sociologically and psychologically that it transforms America forever. And then it pulls us right in synchronization with the last days. Okay. Now, we've said that, and I want to say this final statement. That's Paul McGuire. God didn't give me all that information so we could all sit around and suck our thumbs. God gave me all that information supernaturally to equip me as one so I could equip you as many. Because when you have knowledge of what really happened, you then have the power to transform society for Jesus Christ. Let me say it again. When you have the real knowledge of what happened, you then have the power to transform society in, in a way that will make an impact for Jesus Christ before the, the Lord Jesus Christ comes. So, we are on the threshold, you and I and every true lover of Jesus Christ. We are on the threshold. We are on the threshold, we are on the very edge of an ignition of power that is so far beyond anything you could conceive. And I write about this power in my book, Power from On High. I believe without there being any conflict between authentic Bible prophecy and what I'm sharing to you from the Word, when Jesus told his disciples to go to, to Jerusalem and tarry until the Father clothes you with power from on high, he meant it. He told his disciples, you need to gather in Jerusalem, you need to cry out, pray, and repent to God, until he clothes you with power from on high, until he gives you power from on high, until he gives you the supernatural power to transform our nation and our world. It's a power beyond any other power. And when you do a, a word study definition, the term power from on high that Jesus used comes from the original word dunamis, which means from which we get the word dynamite from, or the dunamis, dynamite, explosive power of God. The idea is that when you seek God and ask him to, when you tarry in Jerusalem, and you cry out to God, and you ask him to clothe you and your loved ones and the church with power from on high, and you don't back off in unbelief, and you don't wander away because you're cynical, which is another form of un unbelief. But when you repent of your major sin, and you do have a major sin, by the way, it's not the one you think it is. Your major sin, our major sin, my major sin, is the sin of unbelief regarding the Word of God. So first we repent of our unbelief regarding the Word of God, 
And then we get on our, our bellies before God and we cry out to God, asking him specifically to clothe us with power from on high. And we, we tarry until God opens the windows of heaven and then begins to clothe us with power from on high. And it ignites in us an authentic biblical power of the dunamis, an ignition of the dunamis dynamite power of God detonates in the invisible realm, releasing a spiritual revolution which purges the invisible realm or purges the heavenlies with the demons, the followers of Satan, the fallen angels, and all those entities that are the enemies of God. So my final words are you, to you is, this is no time for retreat, and this is no time for surrender. Quit sucking your thumb and wait into Jerusalem, or wherever your Jerusalem is, and tarry before God until he clothes you with power from on high. When you are clothed with power from on high, you will be victorious, and the, and the tide and the direction of the battle will change forever. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us. Order out of chaos or manufactured crisis. And you've heard the other expressions that go along with it. Let, never let a good crisis go to waste. The globalist elite are the ones that finance the communists, the Marxists, and the so socialists. The globalist elite are the ones driving us to the uh, new world order or the Great Reset. At a certain point in their stage of operations, they will initiate total chaos, planned chaos. The purpose of the planned chaos is to create a situation which demands the, the implementation of a new order or a new, new world order. So manufactured crisis or manufactured chaos is needed to create their new world order or their new system. That's why they say never let a good crisis go to waste. That's the formula. Order out of chaos is part of the formula. And in my books, by the way, I talk about these things in detail, and I show you the symbols of this revolution. We are at, my friends, the precipice of annihilation. If you can't see that visually, and if you can't understand that intellectually, then you have succumbed to the mass sedation of the masses. You have succumbed to mass mind control, propaganda, uh, social engineering, and all the rest of that stuff. Now, time is running out. Anyone who thinks, anyone who lives in denial, like the Jews and the Christians in Nazi Germany, they all lived and were under the spell of Nazi scientific mind control or Nazi propaganda or Nazi brainwashing. They all were hypnotized by it. And so, in their induced hypnotic state or scientific mind control, the Jews and the Christians, when they heard the rumors that, that thousands and millions of people were being slaughtered in the Nazi concentration camps, when they heard the rumors of that, when they heard news of that, both the Christians and Jews all responded by saying, <clears throat> they, they all responded by being in a state of denial. They all said, no, that can't be happening here. That could never happen here. That could never happen here. Those words are, are the, the verbiage of total denial of what is happening. 
So when all these people um, who were working in their shops and their jobs, when they were all repeating like a mantra to the people who were coming to them and saying, <clears throat> you know, there's millions of people being uh, sent to concentration camps and dying. My, my brother and my sister, she was hauled off to a concentration camp. The Jews and the Christians heard this repeatedly, and they, they answered it repeatedly in the same way. It can't happen here. It can't happen here. And guess what? Despite their denial, it was happening here. It was happening here. It was happening here. And now, you need to open your eyes, because what you've heard, your response should never be. God forbid, your response should never be, especially if you claim to be a Christian. Your response should never, ever be, it can't happen here. Why? Because right now, at this moment, at this minute, at this exact second in time, it, yes, it is happening here. It's happening here, and it's moving up to full force. The signs, to anybody who knows history, anybody who knows economics, anybody who knows anything about psychological warfare, we all know that it is now happening here. And soon, it just won't be your uncle, your cousin, your brother, some guy you worked with that has been hauled off into a camp. Soon it'll be you. And God is giving you a choice now. For a limited time, God is giving you the choice now. While the doors of freedom and hope are, are still open. In, in, the, in the final hour, the doors are still open for you to take back what was stolen from you through, through biblical spirituality, through God-given intelligence, and most of all, strategic, not stupid thinking. Strategic thinking. You have a limited period of time in history to save yourself because time is running out. And one final word for my brothers and sisters in Christ who, whose theology is all messed up. If you, because you were biblically lazy in your study of Bible prophecy, if you think in your imaginary moment that the minute they come to your door, you're going to get raptured, you are in a classical delusional state. And I'm not disparaging anyone who believes in the rapture, but I am disparaging and I am challenging people who have not bothered to think out uh, their rapture eschatology properly. You just, you just did it as lazy as you could. The fact of the matter is, ideas have consequences, bad ideas have bad consequences. If I tell you Jesus said, and he did say, occupy until I come, then we're supposed to be, as Christians, occupying until he comes. And there's many verses like that. Did he say that out of vanity and stupidity? No. He said, if we occupy until he comes, why did he say that? He didn't say surrender until I come. He didn't say give up and die until I come. He said, occupy until I come. That, supported with 50 verses I could give you off the top of my head, suggests to you that we are to occupy until Jesus comes. Occupation means establishing 
spiritual dominion over the land and the society that God has placed us in. And when we properly have studied the Bible, and when we have properly understood the biblical meaning of occupying until he comes, we know that inevitably that also means that if we are to occupy until he comes, we're also to extend that occupation not only in the spiritual realm, the economic realm, the political realm, the governmental realm, and all realms. And where did it say that in the Bible? I feel like slapping people when they say that. It says it in the Bible because God gave you the mind of Christ, and if you bothered to have a biblical worldview, you would clearly understand that you're not supposed to be standing idly by and doing nothing while your country, America, is undergoing a violent, death-like, totally destructive social revolution. That will mean our demise. Ideas have consequences. If you understand Christ's teachings properly, we have been given a choice whether or not to allow America to slide into tyranny, dictatorship, and, and allow America to slide into a totalitarian regime. Jesus Christ, when he said occupy, is implying you're to occupy. That doesn't mean a militaristic misinter misinterpretation of the Bible. It means that we're supposed to occupy until he comes. And we're supposed to be salt and light until he comes. And we're supposed to be the light of the world until he comes. And by doing those spiritual things, like really, not faking it, but really evangelizing until he comes, making disciples of all nations until he comes, all of those activities synergize and create a true biblical Christian. When, when we truly evangelize, we change the inner nature of men's lives. When we truly make disciples of all nations, we truly teach all men how to behave and act and function in, in line with what the Bible teaches. Those, when they're done properly, are proactive and preemptive spiritual warfare attacks against the devil's plans. You see, when people are being converted to Christ, when people's minds are being renewed by a biblical worldview, they're not going to be Nazi totalitarians knocking at your door. Because you took part in the renewal of your mind and the renewal of their mind. There is the window's open, the door's open. God's knocking at the door and saying, open it. There is still sufficient time to open the door and save our nation. We may be very late in the game, but better late than never. The time is now for the body of Christ to rise in the power and both the humility and the Holy Spirit. But it's a two-fold game. It's to rise in the power of the Holy Spirit, but simultaneously to rise in humility with the Holy Spirit. It's not one or the other. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us.